Hey now. Hello there. We got uh, two thirds of the crew here. Yeah, that's about all we got. Uh, I guess Lily has a curfew now or a bedtime, as he calls it. Dear God, how old is that boy? I think he's going on 14. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully he gets his act together here. I don't understand what he... He was the first to comment, you know, that he was ready for the night, so. Yeah, man. Hopefully he uh, puts it all together. What kind of fun stuff you have going on this week? Uh, not a whole lot. It's working out. I, I'm going to be uh, starting run, running uh, three days a week, starting tomorrow morning. Um, nice. I'm, I'm basically, I've got to get up to, in 13 weeks, 26 miles. Oh and I'm only God, are you doing a marathon? Are you seriously going to do a marathon? So, I've, the, the reason why I'm laughing is because. Uh, total t- two miles a day for 26 miles total? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> no, um, mathematically, the, the way I have to do it is is basically would be told by every human being that's ran, ran any distance of time. Uh, it's not possible to do what I have to do because I can only do it three days a week. And my maximum time for running is only three hours. Meaning like I can only run the longest I'll be able to run is a three hour length of time. Gotcha, so gotcha. it's going to be interesting. We'll see the, I was, I went to do a marathon. I think it was two years ago. And I got up to 18 miles, um, not in the marathon, but for training. And I was sick like four weeks in a row. And I just couldn't break the, the stupid cold. And it just kept getting worse and kept getting worse. And I was like, dude, I can't. Like, I won't be able to do the marathon. Um, so uh, one of our buddies here is doing the marathon. And he's like, yeah, it's October 24th. And I was like looking at it. It was like a week and a half ago. I was like, if I start training in a week, that gives me 13 weeks to get to 26 miles. That's just adding two miles a week. <laughs> Exponential, uh, yeah. So the math adds up. It's just whether or not the equation will work. <laughs> so there was this, uh, this friend of mine from college. She's awesome. Still friends to this day. Uh, she, uh, her kid, uh, kid had cancer. Um, oh. I think they, I think it's okay now, uh, last I knew, but uh, nonetheless, uh, she wanted to do something, so she decided to, uh, is that Lily? That's yes, Mom. <laughs> Young man. Hey, we were just talking uh, about slacker. I did class playing late, late today, boys. I don't want to hear you. Just, just Dave, talking about I got, a, I got yeah. a story for you, man, about class if bring, you guys want to hear it. Yeah, bring it, man. They yeah, interrupt so, everything we were talking about. Go ahead. Yeah, well, this is more, this is more um, So, Dave, I yeah. didn't make class at Art Award tonight because um, because I was meal prepping and it took longer than I thought it was going to take, right? Yeah. So, 7 o'clock rolls around and my buddy goes to this small gym off 103rd. I don't, I can't remember the name, performance something. It used mm-hmm. to be a big gym, but then COVID came around and so it was a small gym, right? And, yeah. um, 
So my buddy was like, dude, just come roll. Class starts at 8, starts late, 7 o'clock. Like, you can just show up and do a free class. And I was like, okay, I'll go just because I really wanted to roll tonight. I'm not going to make class at my gym. And it's free, right? Yeah. So I show up, and the guy that runs the gym, really nice guy, his name's Jamie. He, uh, he used to be roll with Art back in the day before Art opened his gym, right? So yeah. friendly, friendly face. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to class. They got, you know, maybe it's a small class, maybe four dudes. Um, they got one guy that's uh, a blue belt. And um, so we do like the lesson. We got to roll. And this, meanwhile, as soon as we're about to roll, right, this, um, mm-hmm. this, this, this kid comes in, maybe 140 pounds Mexican kid, right? And he like comes yeah. in and he's going, Sorry, 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 sorry. And he, like, runs onto the mat, dude, and just starts, like, ripping the technique. And he looks at me, and he goes, habla espanol? And I was like, no, dude, like, no. He looks at my face, he's like, oh, Argentina. And I was like, no, no, no habla espanol, nada. And he was like, okay. And then he pulls out his phone, and he starts using Google Translate to talk to the coach. So this dude's, like, a straight, like, illegal, right? Like, and um, yeah. so we start we start grappling at the end, and we start doing the grappling round. And... Jamie pairs me up with uh, the first guy is their blue belt, who's the best guy there, right? And small gym, so and I'm a new guy, so I don't go hard or nothing. I, yeah. you know, I, I play guard, but I quickly figure out he's he's not bad, but he he's not very good, right? So I tap him once, and then I'm like, okay, and I just play guard the rest of the time. Um, and then I go for the next round with uh, the Mexican kid, and I, I can t- tell t- technically t- technically Argentinian, but okay. <laughs> I can I can tell that. Well, he thought I was Argentinian. Oh, um, he said my face looked hard. But so I can tell he's like an energizer bunny, right? 140 yeah. pounds, just really athletic, but doesn't really super know what he's doing. He's going for takedowns. I take him down twice, and then he gets back up. Uh, again, I'm going kind of light. And he does he does one or two good judo throws. So I'm like, okay. So he's like, he knows a couple things. He gets me on a judo throw, and then – but he, the, the interesting thing is, as soon as we get to the ground, if he doesn't get a dominant position, he immediately jumps back up to the feet, right? Like, does not want to, like, try to pass guard, does not want yeah. me to play guard. Like, if he doesn't get the position, he goes right back to the feet. So, we roll for a little bit, and then it's the round's over. And so, um, you know, it's you're in, you're out, right, type of thing. So, I'm sitting on a map with Jamie, the, the, the instructor who's, you know, used to be a pro fighter, used to be some sure. Um, and he, he says, bro – this kid, right, lives next door. He was a pro fighter boxer. He's a pro boxer in Mexico. He had 300 fights undefeated. And But the boxing, like the, the Mexican um, boxing is like corrupt. So his dream is to come to the States and do MMA. And the coach is like, this is the best athlete I've ever seen. And I can tell he's not kidding. Like this kid's athletic. He doesn't know much. Like, he's not really a challenge, but, like, I can tell he's learning quick. He's been grappling for, like, four months. Mm-hmm. And uh, the coach is like, we tried to get him a pro fight, but he doesn't have papers to get on the plane. And the coach is like, he's going to be in the UFC. Like, he's going to be fighting 120 pounds in, like, three years, guaranteed it. And so this kid is just going ham. And Jamie was telling me the first time he showed up, he came to the gym, and um, he was – he was – basically walked in with Google Translate, hey, can I train here? And, and Jamie was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he, and he's like, do you have a mouse guard? And the kid's like, no, no. And he turns around, the kid's got all his gear on, get a partner. And Jamie's like, hey, you got to have a mouse guard. And this kid puts on his phone and Google Translate, this guy couldn't touch me if you wanted to. And he proceeded to, remember, pro <laughs> boxer, 
he proceeded to knock out like five guys in about two seconds. He's an absolute animal, dude. It was awesome. So he, so he was, so he showed it to the MMA side, to, to the striking side yeah, of the gym. He wants just, his dream to come to the United States to be a pro MMA fighter because there's not a lot of money in Mexico. That is wild. Jacksonville, Florida, 103rd Street. Nice. Hey, Larry, can you, um, can you reach out to those boys down 103rd Street? I want that boy in my gym tonight. Yeah. All right, yeah, push the papers, sir. I just right, jacked hey. the guy. <laughs> you take him from the gym. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm about to hop out of my car. Will I stay connected or no? There's no telling what was going to happen to you. All right, well, if, if I need to, I'll come back in. No, you won't. Anyways, t- talking about this uh, this girl of mine, never ran a marathon, never ran before. She uh, gets up and she's like, I can run a marathon. And she, you know, not that she's ever ran before in her life. And she ran to the end of the driveway. She got there and looked up and down the street. She's like, oh, hell, I might as well keep running. So she did like literally like a Forrest Gump thing like, at the end of the driveway. Before she knew it, she was running the marathon in like a month. Pretty cool. She just kept, you know, okay, well, I can do a quarter marathon, half marathon, three-quarter marathon. She was running a damn marathon. I always thought that was impressive that she just walked out her driveway and did it one day. And in like a month, she was running a marathon. Uh, somebody that's never ran before and not at a young age. She was probably 40 when she did it. I always saw that no, yeah. borderline impressive to me. No, absolutely. I mean, whenever you... Hey, whenever you got I me. Read, oh, gosh. We got you. Oh, dude, I'll right, kick cool. you out. I'm Imagine back. I'll kick you out. All right, keep going. Sign up. Anyway, yeah, sorry. No, yeah, it's fine. You just do what you got to do, boo-boo. Um, but whenever you read, like, or listen to podcasts or any anybody that does something super extraordinary, or at this point, there's so many people that are running marathons, it's not that impressive anymore, but it's still an accomplishment. Um, but you'll hear the same pattern. It's, like, 90% mental. And so I'm like, it's 90% mental, then that's all I'm going to focus on. Like, everything else doesn't matter. Now, doesn't mean I'm not working. So this is the what I'm going to be doing. Three days a week. Excuse me, two of the days out of the three a week. I'm literally strictly focusing on time, uh, stamina, and speed. And so the distance is going to go and like come with that because I'm working on time versus distance. And so I'm doing it on a soccer field. So it's 100 yards by 50 yards. So six laps is one mile. Um, and I'm changing it up to where it's walk. Well, well tomorrow's going to be my test run to see where I'm, I'm going to pace myself at. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So it's going to be walk, jog, sprint, walk, jog, sprint, walk, jog, sprint as I go, you know, across the field, uh, lengths of the field. So I'm going to start at whatever corner, the first corner, and I'm going to walk the short distance. I'm going to jog the longest distance and then sprint the short distance. Then I'm going to walk the long, jog the short, sprint the long. So you're always changing up, you know, the distance. The goal is that it's going to turn into light jog, medium jog, heavy sprint, and then the walking goes away. Um, so tomorrow I'm starting with 30 minutes. After 30 minutes, if I've got, if I feel like I can do, you know, more or whatever, uh, I'm going to put more time in um, until I get up to three hours. In that, and then on my Saturday mornings, I will run for distance. That's impressive. Man. What's your What's your date for the marathon? 
Um, I think it was the 24th of October. Basically, Eb came to me. We were talking, and he was like, uh, he, it was like a week and a half ago. He was like, uh, October 24th is the race. And he, I think he said it as a joke. Like, you should do it. And I was like, while he was talking, I like went and looked it up, counted the weeks. And I'm like, dude, that's 13 weeks away. That means I only have to add two week, two miles a week to get to 26. And then I laughed. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do it. Because I was already, we were already planning on adding in cardio, just running. <laughs> Excuse me, two days a week, anyways. So, nice just, yeah, sorry about that. I had a half my brain was down my gut. So, how, uh, how, how much does it cost to do a marathon? I'm not going to pay for it. I'm just going to ghost it. Okay. Nice, nice. I think it's 125 though. Um, so I did the half marathon this same one two years ago. I was telling Dave this, uh, and then so for that I did the half marathon. I accomplished it. I chafed my nipples real bad. I didn't know about the whole t-shirt rubbing your your bra, your nipples you know, raw. So I had a little ketchup stains down my shirt. So that was irritating. But um, I got that accomplished. Uh, then the next four weeks, weekends after. So like the weeks I would do like three days of the week I was running, you know, a three mile, a five mile, an eight mile going based off of time. And then the weekend run was my long distance run. And uh, I did the next weekend, I did 14.2. The weekend after that, I did 14.2. And the weekend after that, I did 16.8. And then the weekend after that, I did 18.2. Um, but I, w- I got sick that week right after the half marathon which was the actual halfway point to the marathon i was training for um and i had like it was just a cold sniffle so I was like whatever i'm gonna I'm push through it so i you know i did didn't go away um because i was running on my weekend so i had no week i had no rest it got back came back the next week even stronger didn't go away then the week i did the 16 miles i screwed myself because the route that i planned out um was supposed to end at 18. So I was actually two miles behind at this point. Um, it was supposed to end at my back door at 18 miles. And I, I didn't realize that the route that I planned uh, took me in a direction that when I was coming up the one road, it ended, the sidewalk ended and it went into this area of the, where a sidewalk should be with this really tall grass. And so I wind up doing to keep my pace. I started having to do high knees through the grass. And so like, I'm freaking doing freaking high knees on the side of a Pelham Road here at my same pace that I was running at just to keep the time going. And so now I'm like, I get like two miles into this. And I'm like dead. Like I'm exhausted. I don't know if you've ever done high knees, but like it's not something you want to do for two miles. <laughs> and I probably, I probably looked like an absolute idiot. So I was like, you know what? I know where the sidewalk connects back because now I figure I realized where I was at. And so I zip off. But this is actually going to add another mile and a half to my run total. I was like, whatever, I'll screw it, I'll do it. And I didn't think about the hill that I would have to come up on mile. Uh, it was mile fifteen. So starting up mile fifteen, the whole thing for like a mile was uphill, and then a half mile down and another mile and a half up. Um, so, so this is where and a reminder that I just did high knees for two miles, about a mile and a half. Um, so I get to the bottom of this hill. And I've never had this happen in my life where my body has actually collapsed where like I <laughs> was able to keep going, but my legs couldn't. <laughs> so I'm like now running up this hill 
and like I could start to feel my legs as I'm stepping, like start to do like the jello motion. And I was like, dude, like this isn't gonna be good. I literally collapsed. Like I went as I was running, my body just like crumbled. And like I'm laying I'm laying on the sidewalk on the side of a busy road. <laughs> just like, what the what the frick just happened? <laughs> I thought I was paralyzed, dude. I was like freaking out. So I finally like sat up, leaned up against the telephone pole. I'm like freaking out at this point because I'm like, dude, I've still got like three miles till I can get home. Um, so I text my <laughs> wife. I'm like, you need to come get me. She's like, I can't. Uh, I'm busy. I'll get my mom to come get you. Where are you going to be? And so I like, I said, I'll make it up to the top of the hill where the gas station is and she'll pick me up from there. But I literally was crawling on my hands. And- <laughs> <laughs> Did you really get on your hands and knees? Did you really get down your hands and knees? Come I on. couldn't. Well, I couldn't get back up. I couldn't like I've never been in this state where my body physically collapsed like that before. It was the weirdest feeling. Like everything in my mind, like, dude, just stand up. When I went to put pressure on my legs, like my thigh, whatever the muscle in the front of the back of my thighs are, couldn't could not extend. So I finally like I literally crawled a probably goodness great dude, it had to be two tenths of a mile. Like I'm literally just crawling the sidewalk. And here's what pisses me off more stories that no one's thinking about. Why is it that not a single person <laughs> stopped to offer me help? I don't That's what blows my mind. Like, you see this? Like, I don't, well, man, maybe I might have looked homeless at that point, but um, you probably like you're nobody offered. Out, dude. <laughs> Honestly. So. so, anyways, that, that happened. And then I took off. Uh, I didn't run the. F- Monday or the Tuesday of the next week I did my medium run and then I did my little bit more like the eight nine mile run and then that weekend I was kind of better I was still kind of had a cold and by the way I did that with a cold still so that was the other part of my body tearing down um so this time I said you know what I'm gonna do a nice easy run uh Josiah you ever run the uh Swamp Rabbit Trail when you were here uh yeah I think so yeah okay so th- that's an easy run you you have some a little bit of elevation but it's like 300 for the entire distance of like 18 miles it's not a big deal and it's you can kind of go there and back kind of run uh, so I was like all right this time I'm gonna go for my full 22 I'm gonna get that knocked out so I know I can mentally be ready for the 26 um, and so I just set off to do that I got to mile 18 and same same thing started to happen with my legs. Only this time, I don't think they would have collapsed like I did the last time. But in my mind, I remembered back to the week before, and I just couldn't break out of that mental um, game. So my buddy actually was out riding his bike, and he saw me, dude. He's like, dude, you look rough. I was like, yeah. He's like, he's like, you just, you just ride the bike back, and I'll run back. Um, and I was like, all right. So that was it. I, I wound up doing two more runs the next week and I couldn't do that like my I just I could feel myself it was probably the sickest I had ever been for that long of time um and so I kind of just opt out but uh so yeah that's my little backstory um and congratulations man I think I honestly uh, from the bottom of my heart I think you you, you need to hear that that's impressive that you're training for that how'd you do on the treadmills when we were doing those exercises a while back how were you doing on the 30 minute treadmills so yeah, those, it took me a first week. I hate getting started running. I hate, absolutely despise it. But once I do, once I get a momentum going and I start doing it regularly, I'm fine. Like 
for me, the mental game, once you realize – I love what's his name, uh, David Goggins. Um, the way he talks about it, it's like you're, you basically just have to tell your mind to submit to what you're trying to accomplish. Um, and it's true. Like when you stop thinking about all the stupid crap that you think about, whether it's the pain or how long you've been doing it or the time you have left and all that junk, it's really just pretty pretty easy to keep going. Like you're like, yeah, it hurts, but it is what it is. Um, so I, I did pretty most of them pretty well, but then I switched to the bike because uh, I like biking more than I like running. Um, so if I can use a cardio thing, that's biking. I'll, I'll pick that every day. Um, so I don't yeah, know. If I, 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 go ahead. Dave. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't know if Dave, if I've ever shared this story, but, um, when I was right before I bought the restaurant and bought my house and got married, so all right around the same time. Um, it was actually right after I got out of jail. Uh, so I, I was on probation going through my lawyer and court fees and all that good fun stuff. But to, uh, so I had to actually pay my lawyer. Um, I went to, I called the first lawyer and apparently lawyers want their money up front, which was a thing I did not know. Um, learned that quick. So the first lawyer I called is like, yeah, no, I need my money up front and wouldn't work with me all. So then the second lawyer come to find out was actually, he is the leading homicide lawyer. Uh, he's won the most homicide cases in the upstate and actually, uh, won one of the largest homicide unsolved cases in the 80s here in Greenville, South Carolina. Just fun fact. I didn't know that until after I signed the contract with this guy. But anyways, I just randomly walk into his office because it was right in line with uh, uh, the route home that I would take. And I just pulled in one day and, and talked to the secretary. And she's like, well, he, he only does appointments. And he happened to be walking out of the office as she was telling him this. And he's like, well, I just had one cancel. I can you make it quick. I basically fall him back to the office, sit down with him, tell him the whole spiel, say like, look, dude, I'm a single man, live on my own. I got no mommy, no daddy to pay for me here. I work my butt off. You, you tell me whatever it is, I will do exactly that to pay off this, you know, amount. I just can't pay it in full up front. And he said, all right, it's 11 grand. You pay me a hundred dollars a week until it's done. You miss it. Uh, or have it on my desk by noon on Friday. You miss one payment. I'm dropping the case cold turkey. I was like, all right, shook his hand. Um, so I had to really crunch down because $100 a week out of my already tight budget was already kind of impossible. So what I did was I got rid of my car insurance, uh, got rid of the gas because I wasn't driving, got a bicycle, and just started riding a bike everywhere. Like <laughs> That's all I did, and then I went and got two more jobs. Uh, and so I just rode. I started. I fell in love with road biking. Uh, it was a single speed Nashiki. It's a 1984 Nashiki, which is a Taiwan, yeah, Taiwan adult uh, youth male frame. So it's actually a super small frame, 650s. Uh, but I have short legs, so it fit me perfectly. I spent about. I have probably two grand of that bike now because I've d- done some mods to it, and it's still a single speed. But uh, yeah, I started doing that recreationally, and uh, you know for getting back to work, back and forth work and transportation. So um, my best ride was 70 miles at a, I'd have to go back and look, uh, 19.8 mile average pace, um, which comes out to like roughly 341 a mile. Um, So that was what I did for fun slash saving up money. And I wound up paying off my lawyer early and saved up 11 grand for buying a house and, all, all kinds of fun stuff. So. 
Was he was he trying to sell you for uh, for uh, having a hundred bucks every every day on this desk? Was he was he proud of you for doing that? Um, he definitely had respect for it. He I don't know you know I don't remember I couldn't recall if he ever like patted me on the back and said you know but I I do remember he, he was shocked when I paid it off early because I wound up starting to pay like two fifty a week. Um, and I wound I wound up paying it off like six months earlier than I was supposed to. So. I- yeah, I, I had to turn you one time. I had to pay him uh, forty thousand dollars, and uh, for nothing legal. It was actually a land deal, a little bit legal, but it was a land deal. And uh, my first thing I ever bought was my property in New York, where my camp is at. And I uh, vacant lot. <clears throat> I've forgotten forty thousand dollars, maybe forty-four thousand, and uh, took it on the interest thing. And uh, man, I was just like I had my first debt in life. You know, it wasn't like. A, I owed my father $1,500 for a car or something, you know, or I actually had real debt. I hammered that money down in a year. I paid $44,000. I think it was like 1990 when I did this, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I sent the last 40, you know, I sent the $40,000 off. And then I asked him, I said, I owe you interest for the year. You know, I, I hit the finish line, but I don't know my last check, right. It might be for another 2000 bucks, whatever interest rate was. And this lawyer wrote me back a beautiful letter that said, I've never seen anybody do this before. You impressed the hell out of me. Um, so much so that I hear, hear remotely release all interest rates, whatever. You're an awesome man, David. Best of luck in life. And uh, sent the title on over to the property, and uh, life went on for me. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Interest free. Nice. While, we're, uh, while we're on the topic of lawyers, Dave, you heard it. Did we talk about the, the case of your home and the kids last time on the pod? We did break uh, another glass. We ended up, yeah, the kids broke in. Uh, nothing's – Any updates? No, no response. Uh, yeah, no response from anybody yet. Uh, I'm sure the update is uh, you're screwed in general. But uh, as these things tend to come down, even if somebody is red-handed guilty and even convicted of it, it doesn't mean that somebody's writing a check. And even if the, they're ordered to write a check, you're then required, if they have nothing, you maybe go garnish your wages and things like that. And you got to pay to have somebody go through that, and they got to actually have ability to pay before you go through that. So, the whole system is, uh, I'll likely have to cash up tens of thousands of dollars out of my own pocket, and hoping for the best. Uh, maybe there's a sympathetic soul along the way, but people get less sympathetic when they have no money and have to pay a bill. You know, That's you somebody, man. Yeah, somebody with a cell phone. Every one of your friends you've ever loaned a hundred bucks to. Always paid your cell phone bill, but never paid you back that hundred bucks. It's, it's life goes on like that. They they will do anything they can not to pay back the carpet, but but Verizon gets their bill or whoever gets their bill. Sprint, Team yeah. Mobile, whoever. Talking about talking about accountability. I was uh, I was listening to um, a guy on a podcast, and he was saying he never lets uh, women drive his cars because he said his his explanation was um, if you ever he's like. And, the, and the, the other guy on the pod was like, what about your boys? He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, you ever been in a, in a wreck with your boys? He's like, I know that they would be like, oh, shit, man, I'm sorry. Like, I'll, I'll pay you back. I promise I didn't even wreck it. I'll, and he's a wealthy guy, by the way. I'll, I'll get two jobs. I'll pay you back. We'll do a payment. It's like, well, I'll take care of it. He's like, your boys have accountability. He's like a girl. He's like, you know, getting a wreck with girls. She's like, you have money? What the heck? I'm not paying. Like, that type of thing. What do you guys think yeah. about that? True. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. Uh, it's here's here's one when I uh, separated from the ex. It's uh, it's like uh, you know, I 
anything that I gave up, it, it's like uh, the court documents then come down and say, thou shall do the following. And uh, all the time I, you know, like I'd pay a full bill in trust and said, hey, by the way, uh, your portion of the bill is blank. She'd say, I'm not paying you for that. Uh, when are you going to pay me for that thing I did for you 10 years ago when we were together? It's like, what? It's not like older money. It's like, you know, as a family, you do things like I mow the lawn, you know, I do the dishes. She picked up the groceries. You know what I mean? That's a synergistic relationship. You don't look back at it and go, remember 10 years ago when I helped you with uh, print those plans and run up town and well, you owe me for that. It's like, huh? While we were together, you want me to charge me? <laughs> it's weird. And, and they, there's, there's, there's a different thought of how people think about things. Hey, look at a guy. He walks in. We, we go out together. Bartender comes up. What do you want? You know, beer for my horses. It's on me, right? Uh, what, women get up there and we'll go, run my card. And the next girl goes up, orders drinks, runs her card. They don't buy drinks for each other. They don't buy breakfast, yeah. lunch, and dinner for each other. It's very double Dutch whenever, whenever they go out. Yeah, I think you got a point. John, I got a question for you. So you're you're on an aircraft, and it's flying into a hurricane. And it's like a, a – so, so whatever the scenario, it's got to fly through a hurricane. You have a choice, right? There's a, there's a male pilot and a female pilot. You don't know them. You don't know their history. You just know there's a male pilot and a female pilot. And one of them is going to die. Which one do you want, the male or the female, to fly you through the hurricane? Hold on. Go. What? Start that over. Okay. You're in, a, you're in a. I'm plane. in an airplane. It's flying. Yep. It's gonna fly through a hurricane. Right. There's a fifty-fifty chance of you coming out of this hurricane alive. Right. It's that bad. And there's a male pilot and a female pilot. Which one are you gonna pick to fly through the hurricane? Only one can do it. Hmm. So, and the, the likelihood of us living is like. Zero. But he's got to pick one of the pilots he wants to get. The male or the female? Oh, which, it's a 50-50 chance. Oh, uh, fly you through the hurricane? A female or a male? I, I got you. I'm going to go with the 100% success rating of the 50, which is the male pilot. It's going to cost <laughs> me a little bit more, but we'll make it through. Yeah, we'll make it through. Uh, a question I would have is, do women have any better reflexes than men? Like, you know, no, like uh, you hear you hear things that uh, is there any uh, advantage a woman has in a, in a scenario where uh, they might see a now better I, reaction? Yeah, I changed my answer, actually, because I, I think what I what I would do is I would pick the woman pilot and take my chances that she's a mother and and mimic the sound of a dying child, her dying child. <laughs> and then her reaction time would be way better. <laughs> What if, what, if, what if uh she gets <laughs> she won't get emotional she'll kick into her adrenaline rush to save her baby <laughs> you're in the back going, <laughs> 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 um i i got this i gotta finish it up real quick and then i'm gonna share this fun little uh mathematical equation i did with a, a buddy of mine the other day um Give me a second here. So during that season when I was on my bicycle and working the two, three jobs, two jobs, it was actually two jobs, but I worked 
it's weird how it was broken down. Basically, I didn't have any days off. I had um, Sunday morning from whatever time I would wake up until noon off, and then I would go into work. So this was my work schedule for about two-ish plus, give or take, years um, during the time of the lawyer fees and buying the house. On Monday, I would get up work. Now, I had to ride my bike to do all this as well. So I'd get up at 5 a.m. I'd get up and be at work at 5 a.m., and I would get off of that job at 5.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday at the second job, I would start at 15 and work until 12 a.m. And then Saturday, I worked at the second job from 10 a.m. to 12 midnight, and then on Sunday from 12 noon to 10. So my pay and all, all that was cash. Like I got paid in cash except for one check from one job because I was trying to buy a house. So I needed to be on the books. Um, so you're talking about 60, 52 and a half hours at the one job and 53 hours at the other job. So the total. The, the, the IRS just put on 87,000 new agents to chase old revenue, by the way. But, it, so, exactly. He's so just, just joking about this, but keep going. Yeah, that, this was all off the record. Nobody knows who this person is. Um, total douchebag probably hates, you know, the Chinese and all that stuff. Um, so that comes out to $1,369.37 a week, give or take, plus or minus an hour or two. Um, so I'm not telling you that because of that. What I, uh, The reason why I even did all this math uh, and went back into my archives of memory to figure this number out was because I was driving down the road the other day and realized every single fast food restaurant is hiring right now. And almost all of them are starting pay at $16 an hour. Wow. And, and they can't keep the help. So I, I did the math again uh, to, to basically come up with a number. And the per a, a person of the ages that I was at at the time was 22, 23 years old, would be making the equivalent of $90,000 a year right now doing that work program I just mentioned to you in the fast food industry. Dear God. And uh, no, none of the fast food places can keep their employees. Like I had a uh, buddy of mine literally went for an interview and the guy shook his hand and said, you can start now. No training. Like here's $16 an hour. We got your information. Go ahead and put on the, the hat and the t-shirt and start working. Back when I was doing this, they wouldn't even give you the company shirt and hat until you were there for a month and a half. Like they're so desperate for people. They're throwing $16 an hour on the table, which is exactly what the democratic party wanted to do. Force our hands to be so desperate for help that we have to increase our minimum wage to $16 an hour. They successfully have bent us over the barrel and done that. Um, but I just, I, it, it dawned on me that the other day when I was traveling and I started doing the math, I'm like, these people would be make you could be making a killing between the ages of 18 and 24 if all you had was a little bit of willpower and the desire to not sleep that much. Netflix and marijuana really took out this generation. Oh man, I'm telling you. And here's, here's what's even funnier that guy that we were talking about who was basically embezzling money from the government for all that time, um, he was a stoner for a good chunk of that period of time as well so like 
whatever kind of marijuana the kids are smoking today is not the same marijuana that that weird guy that was stealing money from the government was smoking. That we don't know who he was. It was just a like, random person for the sake of the story. It's all for the content. Everything for the content, boys. Yeah. So Now, if we could find out who that was and get him on the air sometime, that might be pretty fun, but I don't know who it was. Hey, I heard an interesting, interesting uh, point of view, boys. I want to tell me what you guys think about this one. The idea is owning property is useless because the fact that you own it is actually an illusion. And before you go, what? Well, here's the point of view, right? You own a piece of property. The government says, hey, you own it, but you don't really because if you piss off the government, way they take the house from you. Yeah, so one uh, no, stamps, think- one piece of paper, and boom, it's no longer yours. I don't think either one of us were shocked by the idea that you would have said that. So you didn't have to be like, what? Like, we weren't going to interrupt with that one. Um, <laughs> second, it's, you know, it's kind of like, and Dave, I'll let you come in after because I know you have way more educational facts on this. Um, but like the idea that I'm going to go, unless, again, I have this straight up pocket deep of cash, which I am super rich and I have custom tailored pants, but mainly just the pockets. But hypothetically, if I did have this abundance of money and I could just, let's say, go find 60 acres that we're looking for, and it's 410000 I just whip it out, pay cash. Um, the idea that the government can come and take that from me is not foreign because I'm, I'm literally using a certificate note that was created for the sake of having currency to control oil. And that's literally what it was created for in the United States. Uh, we're the only country that has a note system based off of that, that doesn't actually have a fundamental foundation in our money source as gold. So we can just print and keep building up inflation based off the oil market. Hence the reason why oil prices increase and the economy below it collapses and we increase our prices on minimum wage and other stupid stuff like that. It's all tied and then working. So once that collapses, yeah, they can do whatever they want and take back the land if they wanted to. But what I would say is, you know, those same guys in the black suit that have to go find that guy that was taking all that money while he was, you know, 22, 23 years old, not paying his taxes on it, that would come knock on his door are going to be those same people that have to come knock on my door. And if they wanted to do that, I promise you, uh, they won't make it much further off the property. Now, I'm not saying I'll be untouchable. I'm just saying there's going to be a lot of piled up black suit men for a while. But then that property is not going to be yours regardless if you do that. Yeah, but I'm going to go down with freaking <laughs> You're willing balls to go down of fury. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to go down with it, dude. What do you think, Dave? All right, so uh, I, I would have thought that the property you buy is not really yours. It was a different question you were asking. But um, So can the government take your property through eminent domain? The answer is rarely. you got to be the unlucky person that needs an interstate through your backyard. Uh, there have been rare examples backed up by the courts improperly uh, where the government for just sole reason of wanting your property. This happened, I think, in Boston, New York, someplace up there. A woman had a house, been there her whole life, maybe her grandparents' house, not selling, period. Development's coming through. They want to put a private developer, you know, uh, wants to put up a waterfront, you know, awesome thing, but they need her little house and her quarter acre gone. And she says, I don't care if it's a billion dollars. This house will not be sold. And the government took her home through eminent domain for sake of the greater good, this tax development downtown, 
was the greater good, which was upheld by the courts, as I recall, and she lost her property. Now, she gets cashed out for the prevailing dollar amount. It might, if it's waterfront, oceanfront property, it's worth a million. If it's a, you know, back 40 quarter, it's, you know, it's worth whatever it's worth. So there's an appraisal that happens, and that's all you get is the appraised value for your property, period. Have a nice day, if you're involved in eminent domain. But I thought the bigger, the, so the government really can't take your property unless it's eminent domain, and there's very strict rules on eminent domain as to who can take it. The reason I mention that is because this is something that I thought the question you were asking is, when I own property, I own a liability. I have to pay taxes. I have to have insurance on that property. Uh, so if you can't pay taxes and insurances, you lose your property. Have a nice day. You never owned it because it it's, comes with a catch. So every property you own, if you're not literally occupying it as your house, you have to have a business reason for it to be there. So, for example, I own maybe 1,200 acres uh, in, uh, in, in this world. And of these 1,200 acres I own, waterfront and everything else, I can't generate money on that. I pay $20,000, let's say, a year in taxes. Uh, plus, I pay, I don't know, some number less than $10,000 in insurance. I've got a $30,000 hello that I can't, I couldn't get a, 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 a rental for a, a bike parking fee off my property because it has no business reason to be there. Whereas if I took a house that I could rent for $2,000 a month, $1,000 a month, that's a good investment. So buying property isn't really a good investment. Even worse, when you try to sell that or build that property, I want to put a home on it. The bank's going to go, well, you got your property. Tell me how you're going to pay for this. What's your guarantee? Well, the property. No, no, sir. We're not taking that. You can't get a, your land is almost worthless to the bank. They don't want your land. You've got to have, put your house number one up that you live in as collateral to build house number two, just to get house number two to the finish line, then have it appraised, and then maybe take 80% loan to value and then come back. You've got to have that cash through that to make that happen out of your pocket or out of your, uh, out of your own home. Owning, owning land is a, is a problem. So I, when you ask the question, do I think owning land is a, is a wise investment? I think you'd have to be nearly an idiot. Mind you, I own 1,200 acres. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, de- definitely, yeah, I'm in agreement with that for sure. I mean, it's, it's, I was obviously being an idiot talking about the one percenters Amish. Um, but uh, the, the reality is, like, you, you, you're not going to – as long as you're abiding by the government's rules, paying their taxes and all that fun junk, they don't really care. I mean, at the end of the day, they just I want like their money. Owning, owning a house, so you buy you buy property, right? And yeah. let's say you do you do cash you do cash out. Now now you have to abide by the government's rules in other areas. You have to put on the mask when they tell you to put on the mask. You have to pay the taxes they tell you to pay the taxes. You have to whatever law whatever they want to put on you. You have to do it. Otherwise, you lose your job. You can no longer afford to pay taxes. They take the property. I, I think it's. I think it's almost an illusion uh, of owning oh, no. property. It's one hundred percent. I bet. It, I think you have two different definitions of owning a house. Uh, when when we talk about buying a house and you have a mortgage, you don't technically own that. The bank does, so the government will come after them first, and then you. Well, let's let's um, say you pay cash. That, well, that's what I'm getting at. So, like, yeah. if you did that route, it's still better than renting because you're people are like, oh, you're paying for something that you'll eventually own. That's not why it's better. It's better because you're building equity, so you have another you know, resource to actually start investing with. 
Um, but yeah, let's, if you, even if you did buy it in cash, like Dave's saying, you're, you're still paying. You have to pay to have it. It, it, it basically attaches you to the system of the government. That it's basically right. the government is just people in a room deciding shit, right? Well, um, sort of. Yeah. So this this is something we've brought up before with like the whole the price of an egg. Like, why why the heck am I paying uh, almost four or five dollars a carton for twelve eggs when back in the thirties they were twenty two cents for a dozen eggs? Um, you know, actually, what's even crazier is when I first bought the restaurant, there were sales at um, Walmart and different places where you could buy 30 dozen eggs for $1.10. Um, so just in a short amount of time, you, you the price of eggs has increased significantly. Uh, and so it, it goes back to propaganda, whatever you want to call it, 1% or Amish, uh, and what they want to control. They're, they're going to force the hand. Here's a fun little interesting thing that someone pointed out that during this whole time of COVID and then right after that, the pipeline shut down and gas prices increasing and all the, everything going up, the cost of tobacco and the cost of uh, alcohol stayed the same for the longest amount of time with very slight to minimal increase at all versus everything else that went up. So like everything else went up significantly and almost immediately but people were still getting their cases of, you know, PBR and Bud Light for the same price they were paying for, you know, pre-pandemic. Now, some of them have gone up now because uh, we're on to their, the government's crap because they want you to be depressed, smoking your, your cancer sticks, and they want you to be drunk and confused and sad about life. But they want it to be absolutely miserable and hard for you to get the essentials and the actual things that you need to live on. Um, so it's all about it, – it's fear. Oh. It's fear-based. Um, so what control, do you think about so yeah. what, you, uh, what uh, kind of a two piece? What do you think about the educational system being a scam? Whereas you can pay, they want, and Dave, I know you're a big proponent of college, but they 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 want to keep, to keep the the youth in the system as much as possible. They want them to come out of college straddled in debt, so that they have to get a job, they have to become part of the matrix. They basically, um, you know. The school is is insane amount of money. You're taking you're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to take a business class from a person that has never owned a business. They suck at it. That's why they're professor. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Well, I'd love to jump in on this one here. First yeah. off, well said that uh, colleges colleges and universities tend to be a washout for real people. So that's why your professional engineers and architects and accountants they teach because they are not good enough to be out there fighting that good fight every day, you know, spending 60 hours a week on an average basis to perfect their business and their artwork, their art. They wash out to college and become teachers because teachers end up in this house cat situation where you can't get rid of them. They get tenured. Um, they work. I'm not saying teachers in general don't have some good life and there's certainly a need for teachers, but damn it. It's just getting ridiculous. Yeah. And, and it's becoming uh Colleges, uh, there's very few colleges left. If you were to pull the colleges to be who is really, truly a conservative and who's a liberal, there's, what, what are you, 90%, 95%? The odds of somebody having a sane professor is nil in this world at this point. So you go to school, you get indoctrinated. Even good people with good conservative mindsets that go to college they come out the back door. Like I used to have to write a paper. I, I would have such liberal professors that were off the chain. I would write a paper against my own personal beliefs just because I know if I wrote an honest paper, 
they would give me they give me an F. Whereas if I talked about uh, you know I don't know what, what the de jure was in the eighties, but some you know reclaimed water recycling whatever, it would be like an A plus plus for the same paper. If I would have wrote the thing as the the best use of fossil fuels, I would have got a, a hard F. What changed? You know, it wasn't the student, it wasn't the paper. It would probably be a better paper. You have to write to their psyches because if not, so I end up writing these effectively lie papers to promote the ego of the of the reader, not to promote the knowledge of my expertise in my area as I'm going through this this study. Life is like that, you know, and, and, and when I went through college, you had to be that chameleon to do that, to pass. So anyways, no, so what's that mean in the scheme of things? It, it's, it, I use it as a learning experience to realize when you deal with disingenuous people out there, people trying to bend the rules and the laws, how to brainwash kids and how to think like them they think they're doing a good job by creating little nazis you know yeah yep it's insane that's we talked about this before and uh this was a couple episodes ago and lily lost his mind when i made the comment that you know the colleges are taught to regurgitate the same crap and the information that they're telling us isn't truth it's just what the government or a aka the amish want people to know to control the system and then keep the money going to the same people and if you look at anything and everything that the school systems teach and promote it all ties back to some sort of government-funded and government-aided project that they somehow benefit from. And I, and I mean that literally with everything, like even take the LGBTQ+, plus, uh, Greek and German alphabet together uh, society, and look at what's going on there. There's more lawsuits. There's more need for medical conditions and medical needs. There's more need for um, psych wards and counseling and all this other BS that goes with it. They don't want to talk about those facts. They just want to talk about how it's, you know, human rights and it's the right to love who you want and do who you want and then impress that upon the children and all that garbage that goes with it. But there's money there and the people that benefit from that are the ones that are pushing the agenda all the way into the school systems. Um, not only that, so you can even go to the not as extreme ones as that one or the not as colorful ones, if you want to put it that way, and talk about just the fact that the way we even teach and the way we even grade and the way we even uh, call something right, it's there is only one right answer it's the same answer for every child you can't critically think you can't uh figure out problems on your own the number one problem for failure in, in today's society because you know you and i make a mistake at the job we don't go uh is it a b or c what was the answer that we gave last week uh the answer is different depending on the circumstance the uh resources available the people available the end user um, so it's, it's eliminating the ability to think. And then you have this problem where uh, there's there's basic facts that we think is, you know, common to man. Stuff like did the Holocaust happen? Who was Hitler? And some of these other things. How many states are in the United States? How many countries are in the world? How many continents are on the planet? Like all these little basic things that you would think are normal aren't even being taught in schools. Today. I'm talking people at the ages of, you know, 20 and younger now can't even answer some of those questions that I threw out on the table. Uh, and it's because a system is pushing and teaching the same corrupt garbage. And actually now is teaching us this story and this picture of history about how all of the f uh, founding fathers were these evil, corrupt, hate hating people that just murdered and mass genocide and hated all the gays and, and black. Also, I mean, how quickly do we forget about communism? Like it's being taught again. Like how, how quickly does we forget history? It's crazy. Well, and that's what I'm getting at. There, it's not that we forget it; it's that it's not being taught accurately anymore. They have to paint a picture to push the agenda, 
uh, if you pay attention to the news on any level um, about, I would say, let's, let's put it eight years prior to where we're currently at. So what, what we're hearing on the news now, pay attention to the details of it. Not, don't pay attention to the outcome. Just pay attention to the verbiage and the word choice. I, and I, I brought this up in, uh, whenever you're done building the Tower of Babel, let me know. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, uh, I brought this up when uh, Nancy Pelosi was talking about the whole amendment and right getting, you know, uh, overthrown or whatever they called it again. But I, I told, I was talking about how the choice of verbiage that she's using right now. I said, pay attention to that because what they're going to use now is. It doesn't matter right now. What they just did, Wade versus Roe, it's an amazing thing. It should have been done 50 years ago. It should have never been put in place, whatever. We know that. But listen to the verbiage about what they're saying on it, because in eight years' time or less, but eight years' time, two presidents or two terms from now, uh, those words are going to come back to be a bigger problem than they are currently. Meaning when she's stating that we overturned an amendment and a right, then a constitutional right and an amendment when she's saying that she's saying that for the chess move that she's making eight years from now and she's not even going to be a part of that it's going to be her party or her uh, agenda and in eight years from now they're actually going to start overturning actual amendments and actual constitutional rights because it's all about the the in chess you play a uh, move a piece now and sometimes even are willing to lose a piece just for and, the sake of winning and, the game. And Republicans are like, oh, yay, we got you know what we wanted, and they're not even seeing that. The what, the, the what, like, yeah, we'll change that amendment. You know? That's what I want to try to encourage you mainly and many others that talk that way. It's not about Democratic or Republican. This is so much beyond, so much bigger and way beyond that crap. It has nothing to do the Republicans and the Democrats well, I, are I'm sleeping just together. It's, 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 two, it's two heads of the, of the same side of the coin. Like left 100%. It's, it's, just, it's just a game to, to get a bigger agenda is, is what and, I was well, that, to say. What I'm, I probably didn't what, say it accurately. But. No, yeah, you didn't at all. Because what it is is it's the human race versus the power of darkness, if we want to call it that. But anybody who's playing a different game, uh, you're either for the evil corruption of all government, and they're all working together, all the way from China to America, Russia, Ukraine. All they're all well, in on it's, it. It's a secret party that controls the the, the governments. And if you want to know who it is, just follow the money, right? Yes, yeah. Go to the Amish. Um, but anyways, the, the, whole, <laughs> the what I'm getting at though is it's not. And the other thing is I hate hearing the it's it's they it's they it's they who who's they identify the they there because well, not they there being a pronoun. But follow the money. It's I, I know that what I'm getting at is. We say they so loosely, but we couldn't even truly understand what they are. Yeah, like it's again, it goes back to that power of light and power of darkness. It's it's the, the classic. You want you want to historically understand something? Go to the scriptures because it's been historically accurate and archaeologically accurate for over two thousand plus years now. It's got to have some truth to it, and you see the same battle weighing out all throughout the histories of scripture, the history of uh, humanity. And that's what we're still facing here. And what happens is the American people or the people in general, it doesn't matter if you're American or not, people that are seeking the freedom and the best for humanity need to start realizing it's, it's a game. We're being played. You cannot have uh, fear and control if you don't have division first. You have to have a reason to fear something. So what we're going to do is we're going to create two parties fighting for the same common good, supposedly. But in doing that, we have nothing but division. So supposedly the Democratic Party has the best interest for America, and supposedly the Republican Party have the best interest for America, which one truly does. Now, of course, we're going to all have a way we lean because there's definitely a lesser of two evils, 
but they're both playing the same game. And this, the game is that they have control over us and they don't care whether it's blue or red in the office because they're all making the same money. They're all getting paid out. They're all benefiting from each other move. So some of them just say, you know what? Hey, this term, I'm going to be the Republican pawn. Knock me off the board early in the game so that way you can move the bishop all the way to the corner and take the checkmate move. We, we keep failing to see that. And so what we're doing is we're bickering about each other here on, you know, uh, a podcast or over at the gas station. That, oh, you got F, F Joe Biden on your bumper. You, you don't know anything. And, and you got this bickering going on. And trust me, Joe Biden, even if he was there, wouldn't understand what you were talking about. But he's not even there to, under, to, to hear what you're talking about. It has not, it's not affecting them at all. And he's reaping and benefiting from it. Now he's going to die anyway soon because he's been jabbed 790 times. He was the test lab for uh, Bill Gates and Fauci. But um, I do so, so gone doesn't matter. But the point that I'm making is the, the government singular globally has one common interest, and that's power control. And to have power and control, they need to have fear and division. Without those two things, there is nothing. That's why uh, a man who has no fear can't be controlled. And is the the man that the one person or the one person that the entire system hates because they can't control him, they can't predict his next move, uh, and so that's why they oppress us. People yeah. that part have, part of that part, part of that whole that. big system too is I love what you're saying, John. Part of that is uh is basically d uh the d taking away the masculinity of real men. Also another, go ahead. No, the, I'll I'll end, I'll end with this one, but. Uh, it just happened to listen to it. So you got Beyonce. I know this is like way of left wing. Like what the, what is he bringing Beyonce up for? If you listen to Beyonce's voice in her 2003 album and then go listen to her voice in her brand new album, it is insane how masculine and demonic her voice sounds. Why are they doing that? Why are they putting out this, this heavily masculine voice? And everything in her lyrics, though, is like, she's like, oh, I'm the B, I'm this, I'm that. And she's speaking in this feminine language. She's using feminine identified words, but she's saying it in a masculine way because they're castrating true men and true elite. And again, we've talked about I this. I don't think true men are listening to Beyonce, bro. No, 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 no. You're not, you're not paying attention to what I'm saying here. I didn't say men were listening to it. They're desensitizing the men. And guess where they're going? Women. They're, they're giving male authority to a woman. This, we've talked about this on the pod before. Uh, me and Dave went toe to toe. He had a couple good points, but really wasn't jiving uh, why women should have rights specifically over men. We talked about that one. Um, I think I took the win, the W on that one. Women should be there for keeping payroll down. It's Beyonce. Um, but but the mess, the subliminal message today, the government, the one percenters, Amish, we know but with their uh, raptor op- ostrich. Um, what they're doing is they're they're making it okay to castrate little boys so they never can become men and to make well, a woman dominate over the male so that the woman isn't in her position of, of help. I mean, they, they've been castrating more little boys in history. than I mean, they used to do that to, to monks to have them keep their falsetto. But, um, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm not talking – listen, you're, you're missing it. They're, they're castrating little boys without even physically doing it anymore. Like Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jackson. So like, like by doing an ent- making an entire nation confused. They're teaching right now in the school systems that uh, like the whole the whole sex ed thing has gotten so out of control at this point that it's now teaching the birds and the bees, the bees and the bees, the bees and the birds, the birds that think that the bees that want to be with the bees, the bees and the birds that want to think that they're birds that were birds and once were bees and now want to be bees again, that they can be with the birds. 
like this this whole idea of transgender movement, all this other stuff, it, it's so much bigger and so much darker than just oh, let someone love who they love. Uh, and I think Dave brought it up a couple um, episodes back where it was like I, there was a time where it was like let us just love who we love. We won't force it upon you. We won't force our ways upon you. We're beyond that. And so again, it's, it's going back to the game of chess. If we're not paying attention to the real subliminal messages that are being put out there, and they're not like subliminal. Correct. But the message is, see, you, you laugh because you're not listening. Uh, when you listen to Beyonce, go listen to her album one day and, and try to actually have an intellectual thought when listening to it. Why is it that they're pushing this, this woman who is very powerful in the music scene? What is her message really on that album? It's not the lyrics of her song. Well, I it's, think the message it, is wonderful, but it's her deep voice that really gets me. Well, it's it's because the the actual that's because, you, that's because you're gay. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a hundred percent factual. Um, the the whole point is that if if you just look at it like, oh, it's just an innocent little album, I'm gonna bump this in my car, blah 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 blah. Well, brainwashing and manipulation is repetitive patterns that are done in repetitions over and over and over and over again. And so what so, we do when we listen I'm to music, I'm gonna stick with six or, nine instead of instead of Beyonce now, and I'll be free from brainwashing. Did he go away? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but but the point is, is what like I can't even get Lily to understand the point I'm making. So imagine being a three to nine year old child in a brainwashing society or system in the school system which there is no morality, there is no standard of respect or authority. I, maybe I want to hear Dave's thoughts on this because you have kids that are under the age of 16 or I don't even know how old you're about old this is at this point, but they're young. Um, like, may, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you don't really care what they listen to and or how they speak or present themselves in society. But if you listen to any of the new modern music that's out there that the kids are listening to the school system, Good grief. It's the stuff that you would get kicked through the wall with if you got caught listening to it with your parents. Just, I, we actually just just ran upon this in a big way. Um, when I was a young man, what did we do? We said the pledge. That's repetitive. That's pounded into your head. You know, um, I pledge allegiance to the flag. Da, 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 da. We, all know, we all should know it. Not everybody listening to this podcast well, yeah. would, probably, would, would probably even know or understand that or has said it. Or, uh, or singing uh, our, our national anthem or, you know, these various uh, old school songs. We used to sing these these prideful American going to world World War II songs as kids in our elementary school. We're going back to the 70s, guys. But that was how you grew up. You were raised to be uh, good, young, strong people that would pick up a gun and fight for freedom, fight for, fight for the right to live, fight for the right to vote and beyond. That's what you were... You call that brainwashing? Maybe that's what are the good young prideful American songs. Uh, well, there, there yeah. was a, there was a lot of the war songs. Uh, I'm trying to think of right now. There's uh, uh, "Wonderful Land." Oh, what a wonderful! Yeah, there was a there was a bunch of these songs that were pounded into our heads as kids in the old school because they were you were taught by World War II veterans that came back from the war, got their college degrees, and were in a teaching system, and they were prideful of America. They've been washed out long since gone in the 70s. Uh, they were the last of the uh, Mohegans, if you will. Um, nowadays, so you can't say the pledge in school. You can't do this other thing in school. But, you know, 
question was posed to me. What about my kids? You know, because I there was a lyric or something on in a song I heard on an iPad or something. I heard the N word, and uh, it's kind of tough to. First off, I yell at them for listening what they're listening to. I figure out what it is, and then um, I said to them this something about the. They're like, "What is an N word?" It's kind of tough to explain what an N word is, you know, <laughs> because because. because you know, it's not something we talk. It's not. It's a bad word. We don't say these words, and and they have them in songs. You shouldn't be listening to music like that. But it just. But that's a. Like kids can listen to that stuff in school, probably. But you couldn't listen to the damn Pledge of Allegiance. You can't wear a shirt that says uh, "God Bless America" on it with American flag on it because you're arousing. You you're you know engaging in a riot, riotous action in school. What happened to America? You know, <laughs> yeah. Think about it. I, I agree. I mean, uh, it's definitely worth having the argument. There's a difference from having pride in something that stands for for something that's actually better for humanity, versus brainwashing a kid to stand up something that's not true. Um, yeah. Like, like the end of the day, and this is one of my favorite ones. Is like you can dig up a bones from a three thousand year old mummy in Egypt down in the pyramid buried under rocks and sand and in this tomb that was cemented in, pull out the bones and test it and find out whether it's male or female. That's factual. That's truth. That's three thousand year old truth. You can't teach that truth anymore. But we can brainwash them to think that they have a choice over which one of those two things they are. Uh, that is way different than taking pride and respect for the people that laid their lives down so that we can still breathe air on this planet in this country that's a totally different context or topic we you the argument of what is truth is so freaking out of this world now i don't know if you've uh, i haven't done it in a while but i used to do a lot of street evangelism which is really just me going and talking to find out people's story and wind up having conversations but what what happens is when you you get to this point of they can't even identify what truth is well you see that now on the public scene where uh, you got the House of Representatives and different people being asked, what is a woman? Identify what a woman is. What is the definition of a woman? And they won't even, not that they can't, they refuse to truthfully answer the question because they don't want to. Because, again, if there is no foundation or no grounds in which we can stand on, then you have confusion. Then it leads to division. And then from division, you have a reason to be afraid and from fear you have control from control you have all the power it, it goes back to the same systemic you want to talk about systemic abuse it goes back to the same systemic systems that they're putting into place so that they can have the power over the people and then from there it's put on your face diaper why it protects me no it protects you well when you wear yours it protects me too no it doesn't actually it's been proven it doesn't do anything and it's right there on the box you, the box that you take the stupid mask out of tells you that there is no protection being given to you. But it doesn't matter. Because, speaking, of, speaking of, sorry, go ahead. No, you, you got way more important things to say. Oh, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, and this will probably be my last point, and then I got to, I got to hit there. It's going to, you didn't even make a um, whole podcast. Go ahead. My, my, <laughs> 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 I was interesting update on that because you guys know the story about my vaccination status. So I was getting kicked out, not court dates, whatever the heck. Um, today, pretty interesting and on the top of the mass sort of vaccines. Um, 
we had what's called a CEO's call where everyone gathers around the, the, the speakers in each shop and they, the CEO talks over the one MC, the mic that goes throughout the squadron, right? And the CEO said, you know, because my squadron's getting ready to go on deployment and before deployment, they got employment, which is about 90 days and they got to hit a couple ports. Um, I think there's one in Halifax, Nova Scotia. There's one in um, London or Portsmouth, which is by London. But, and they, the CEO basically came on and said, so as of right now, you're not required to get a booster by the Navy. But some of these ports we're going to is they have different requirements to be fully vaxxed. And if you want to get off the boat, which is the whole point of being in the Navy is to see the world, supposedly, you're going to have to get that booster. And I just about lost my shit laughing because do you know how many times I heard in the Navy – well, dude, I wasn't going to get it, but then I had leave and I needed it, or I had this, I needed it, or I was going to lose my job and this and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Basically just cowards not standing up for their rights. Um, but basically now all those people are like, I'm not getting a booster, though. They make that mandatory. I guarantee you, you tell them they can't get off the boat, they'll be in line to get the jab. The 100%. 100%. One. And I was just losing my shit laughing at all these people like, I'm not going to get the booster, though. It's like, yeah, you are. You got the first one, you're going to get the booster. I've, but that, I've actually, that's the update, boys, from my side with the vaccine. I'll actually make a point. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> ow, ow, ow. <laughs> What's funny in what you just said there, and the only reason I thought about it is because I used the term evangelize um, or go out to the street evangelize. Uh, one of the one of the most common arguments against the Christian faith or the Yahweh of Bible, the, the Bible God, the, the creator of life. Um one of the most common, yeah, Beyonce. Uh, one of the most common arguments that comes up whenever debating the truth of that there is one true God. He did create all of life. We are the human being. Is the the race that he created? All that fun junk. The number one argument is this: If he's such a loving God, why does he force us to have to choose him? Uh, and what's interesting is that is the very thing that the world is doing right now to the human race. No, 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 you don't have to be vaccinated or boosted. You just can't do anything without it. And what's interesting is the very argument that they put against the one God, the one true God that created all of life, who isn't doing that, is being done to them currently by their own hands, which is very interesting. Yeah. So I just want to make what that point I like that point, man. I like that better than the Beyonce point, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Beyonce, is, she's a man. <laughs> Dude, seriously, I want you guys to go listen. Go listen to one song from the 2003 album and one song from the new album. You'll understand what I'm saying once you hear her voice difference. Uh, Lily, you won't get the point that I was making because you're still caught up in the birds and the bees and the bees that used to be birds and want to be birds again that sleep with the bees. Uh, you're still trying to figure out that whole rhythm. Um, but uh, yeah. just do I'm it for fun. I'm, I'm, I'm still Googling who Beyonce is, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> she's the chick that changed her skin tone and apparently her voice as well. Yeah, she's now changed the voice. Well, she's also the one that has the demon called Sasha Fear. She said that publicly on multiple interviews. It's fully in, embraced her at this point now. But um, I, I will say no Beyonce because uh, – I'm not sure there's a nicer butt out there, but I'm just going to look that right there. That butt can't be demon possessed. (laughs) You listen to that voice, and then, you know, you might change the appearance of that butt. (laughs) All right, boys. I think that's it. I got to wake up at 5. 
Yeah, so we'll close out with the uh, quote from Empress Joseph Biden. We'll um, we'll just yeah, the sponsorship. We'll get to do the run through backwards here. Um, Empress Joseph Biden's quote and start a quote is: Three hundred years ago, when I became elected for president, the House of Representatives. China's an amazing place. End of quote. Um, so there's that. And then, just, I'd, like to, I'd like to thank all our sponsorships. Of course, we got buns and others anywhere from here to California. Hop off any local, uh, uh, or don't stop at the local grocery store first. Pop off any exit. Go to get a number five from buns and others. Made in food quality. Then you can go to the local grocery store. If you can't find a buns and others, stop at aisle 56. Pick you up a sweet old bag of sweet meat. Slap it all over your friend's mouth and put it in yours. Enjoy your eating <laughs> product to keep you getting and going, smelling fresh, looking good. It's all natural. Uh, go over to SawyersNaturals.com and pick you up any of their product online. We are not officially sponsored for them, so no free products, no promo codes. We aren't that good. We want to give a special shout-out to our one other listener, second one other listener, both of which are amazing, the whole reason why we live today. And uh, we also got our four ninety nine subscription that only comes in once a year. It's keeping us going. It's keeping our hardware looking fresh. And, of course, this is Half the Experience. I'm your host, Half the Experience. We have Big Dave Wolf Silver and more on Alpha here with us. Promo code Sasha Fierce for a discount on nothing. Yeah. <laughs> good, to, good to do that. Oh, and I do we, – we will uh, have the uh, fourth sponsorship, uh, which is a protocol. It's completely patented. It's called uh, Raptor Packs. It's a new uh, hiking backpack that I'm designing right now. Um, so those will be launching here in the next anywhere from 10 to when Jesus Christ comes to get us. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love it. Love you, uh, boys. Love you, boys. Oh. Oh. Oh.